let me tell you a little bit about it. So what happened is, uh, you know, I'm using the analogy, Paul, who's one of the most incredible uh, uh, pillars of the early church, uh, he was always writing letters to the early churches that he had started, and he used the analogy of running a race, and he, he was always, he compared our Christian life to running a physical competition in life, and just like it takes discipline and focus and endurance to compete in some type of a physical contest, it takes that in our spiritual lives because, let's face it, sometimes it's not easy to follow the Lord. Sometimes it's not easy to do the right things. We have to discipline ourselves and have a determination about us. And our text is Hebrews chapter 12, 1, and it'll be on your screen there. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So we're supposed to run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So all of us have a race. All of us have something that God has called us to do, and it takes perseverance to do that. It gives us two hints there. It says, that, it says first of all, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, the spiritual men and women, the matriarchs and patriarchs that went before us. And it says, let us throw off everything that hinders. And the, so the first thing is, uh, I don't even have to ask you, all of us have things that hinder us. All of us get caught up in doing things that really are not that important in the long run. And maybe there are some things that hinder us, that slow us down, that take up our time, take up our energy that we need to get rid of so we can, we can run the race God's called us to. So there's things that hinder us, and then there's sin that so easily entangles us. And, and uh, you know, there, there's things that hinder us, and the problem is that sin has the ability to get a hold of us and entangle us and really slow us down. And I was, think, I w I was studying before I, I started this series, and the thought came to me, you know, we're running this race. And it says there's a great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. And what happened if while we're running our race, just for a mile or two, a, a part of a day, what if one of these spiritual giants, the great cloud of witnesses, what if they could come down and run with us for a little bit? What would they say to encourage us? And we've, we've talked about five so far. We've talked about Noah, and I believe Noah would say that one person can make a difference. And, and uh, he made a difference in his generation. You and I can make a difference today. Sometimes, sometimes we can get the thought that, man, may, maybe, just maybe, um, what I'm doing doesn't make a difference. Every one of us can make a difference. And uh, then, of course, Esther, that we were created, we were born for such a time as this. And we talked about Moses and Rebecca. Last, last week we talked about David, and David would say to us that you can overcome the limitations that others place on you. Have any of you, have anyone placed limitations on you? A few people, I think all of us have had people that tried to limit us, put limitations on us. And so, you know, we're, as we continue running our race, we're, you know, we're, we're, so in, we're encouraged, we're, we're strengthened by all those spiritual giants who have taken the time to run with us and give us words of encouragement. And we look up and we see another one from the cloud of witnesses, a man approaching us, and, and uh, we're trying to figure out who it is. And it, this man has white robes on, but kind of weird, he has like an Egyptian headdress on. And we're like, well, man, what? Who is this, Pharaoh or something? But then we remember that, you know, of course, Pharaoh isn't in a cloud of witnesses because he wasn't a man of faith. And so, you know, we, we realize that, man, this is Joseph. This is the son of, the son of, the son of Jacob, the, the, the boy who went from privileged son to the pit of slavery to the palace in Egypt. And Joseph comes running along beside us, and, and uh, you know, he immediately begins to speak, speak to us. And the first thing he says is this, that, that dreams 
are conceived long before they're achieved. And what he means is that the period of time between the birth of a God-given dream and the realization, it, it's a process. And the, the process, this time period, between the time God gives us a dream and we see it fulfilled, you know, it can be, it can be filled, uh, it can be filled with, with doubt, adversity, changes, surprises. And, you know, during the process of living out a dream, there's good days, there's bad days, and, and frequently we have to face the tough question. And the tough question is this, do I keep going on, do I keep pursuing my dream, or do I let it die? And I think Jacob would look, look at us squarely, very intently in the face, and he would say this, don't give up on your dream. Never give up on your dreams. And of course, he's, he gives us a, a, a living demonstration of, of how you can persevere and how a God-given dream at 17 years old can be realized when you're, when you're 39 years old. It's an incredible story. And jo- Joseph, uh, he, he, he wastes no time in imparting some wisdom to us uh, that he learned from his life in adversity. He tells us this, four things we're looking at. First of all, don't give up on your dream even if it doesn't start off well. How many of you, God has ever given you a dream and you're so excited about it but when you take that first step, and it feels like you just fell off a cliff. I mean, just where, where, where did the ground go? And, uh, you know, it's funny. When dreams first get started, dreams are very fragile. And the first thing that the devil wants to do when God places a dream in our heart, he wants to discourage us. He wants to hit us hard. He wants us to give up. He wants us to quit. So Joseph's dream, it came when he was very early. He was 17 years old. Uh, and that's when he received, actually, not one, but two visions from God that one day he would hold a prestigious leadership position and that his older brothers and his father would actually come and bow down to him. So let's read that in Genesis chapter 37, verse 5 through 11. It says this, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had, We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. And his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brother. He said, listen, I had had another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous. That's very important to notice. His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So his father rebuked him initially, but kept it in the back of his mind. So Joseph immediately, he had these visions, he immediately shared the dream with his family, and it, it, you know, it kind of it stirred, up, stirred up some trouble. And so here's the thing, uh, the beginning of a dream often generates more enthusiasm than wisdom. Are, are you with me? I mean, sometimes when God gives a dream, a dream or a vision or something we feel strongly, we're so excited about it that sometimes our enthusiasm gets ahead of our wisdom. I mean, if you think about it, 
how, how were his ten older brothers supposed to re- respond when the young brother, the little boy, the little, the little mama's boy, the daddy's boy who has a special robe and all that, who's specially loved, comes up and says, hey, guess what? I've I, I got to tell you something. This is so exciting. Yeah, we were out there binding sheaves in the, in the field, and, and my sheaf just kind of walked on air and stood up, and, and like yours bowed down to mine. Isn't that good, guys? Simon, you, Reuben, you, you know, I, I mean, it just didn't go so well. And so here, here, I think here's the deal. When God gives us, gives us a vision, we have to use wisdom and, and protect it. And not everyone should probably know your God-given vision that God has given you. Um, some people, especially if they're not spiritually minded, they're not going to be necessarily excited about, about your dream. And, um, and I think the second thing is very important is that most people don't have a dream, so they will suffocate your dream. See, if, I, if God tells me something big, I go to some of my friends who they've told me some of their dreams, and, and I share it with them. Some people are like wet blankets. And here's the thing. Some people have, I, I would say 80% of people in our society, they have, they have no real God-given dream, even Christians. They are so... They are so overwhelmed by the daily grind of life. They get up, they go to work, they do all this, they take care of all their things, they go to bed or they watch TV, they go to bed, and that's their, that's their life. They, they, they're not seeking God for a dream, they're not listening to God for a dream or a vision. You know, they're just, they're just kind of over, uh, they're living within themselves, they're not seeking something beyond themselves. So people who have no dream will always try to suffocate your dream. We, we, we need to understand that. And so here's a question I'm commonly asked. A commonly asked question, uh, one, of the, one of the most common things people ask me is maybe they set up a time and come meet with me or we're here talking at church, and they say, you know, I feel like God is telling me something. I'm not sure it's from God. How do you know, how do you know if it's God speaking to you and, and, and not the devil or the pizza you had last night, or how do you, how do you know that it's from God? And, and I think there's, there, there's two things, there's two things that are very, very important. First of all, uh, godly, godly dreams always benefit other people. See, selfish dreams benefit ourselves, what we can get out of it, how much money we can make, what position it's going to put us in, how it's going to benefit me, my family. God's vision, God cares about people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God is in the people business. God, if God's will that everyone comes to repentance, that everyone knows him. That, that's the heart of God. He doesn't want to see anyone hurt. He doesn't want to see anyone go to hell. He wants everyone to come to the full knowledge of him. So if you think about that, God gives people dream, big dreams in order to help people. Now it's good for you, to, it brings fulfillment in your life as well, but think about this. So uh, Joseph, he rose to leadership in Egypt, and the whole, the whole purpose was what? The whole purpose was not that his brothers and father would bow down to him. That was just an exclamation point. I mean, the reason that, that he was in Egypt, because the world was starving. And he, he ran the, the largest feeding program in Egypt. And I mean, it was, it was 14 years long. And, and it cost him a lot of, a lot of a personal sacrifice. Um, but, but if you think about it, the, the, the vision, the dream, really, 
of a leadership position where he would rule over his brothers. The whole goal, though, was putting Joseph in a position where he could save the world. I mean, Egypt would have been, would have been I mean, they would have all been dead if, if it wasn't for Joseph, uh, you know, storing up grain. And, and literally, he fed Egypt and the world. The whole world came to him. And so think about this. You know, 18, 19 years ago, God, you know, Tracy and I, we're in Lafayette, Louisiana. We're, we're fine. We're happy. And God started to stir something uh, in, our, in our heart. And, and over the next six, eight months, we found out, you know, God, God was asking us to start a church. Then we didn't know where. We ended up being here. And, and, and so, but, but think about this with me. What is the purpose of church? The purpose of church is to help people. The purpose of church is to help people that are hurting and help people get a closer relationship, you know, to the Lord. And so, I mean, that, that's the, the goal of church isn't how many people you have come. Now you want to keep growing because you want to reach people that are hurting, but the goal of the church is to help people. And so, man, over the last 18, 19 years, I can't tell you how many couples have come about to get divorced, and many of them are still here right now, and they're actually sitting beside their spouse. And then they look, they look happy, just smile for me this morning. But, you know, how many people have gone through the Financial Peace University and, man, have paid off thousands and thousands of dollars of debt? How many people didn't have a relationship with the Lord? I mean, hundreds of people have given their lives to the Lord over these last 18 years. So the purpose of church, you know, the reason God asked me to come here and start this church is because he's concerned with people. He's concerned with people. Um, think about this. Some of you, maybe God has given you a vision uh, to start a business. And you're like, well, I don't know if that's a godly vision. Well, it can be. It can be. What, what do businesses do? First of all, they create products that people need. What else they do? They employ people. So if you run a business uh, with, with, you know, with godly ethics and treat people well, you provide a product for people that helps people, Maybe your company grows and you, you're, you're providing income for a number of families. So, yes, that can, that can be, that can be a, godly, a godly thing. And so I just want you to understand this, that, you know, God's vision, God's dream for your life, his dream, it won't just be good for you. It will be a, a blessing to others as well. God's vision is never selfish. God's vision, his dreams always deal with other people. And the second thing about dreams is this is that godly dreams always cost the dreamer personal sacrifice. And in reality, think about this. When God gives you a dream and you're filling it out, you actually, you could almost say you become servant to the dream that God has given you. You're, you're serving that dream. You're, you're trying to make that dream happen. And, uh, you know, he or she is given the responsibility to make the dream happen. And there's always a, a personal cost involved. And, Every time, I encourage you, do a study this week of all the dreams that God gave his people in the Bible and how long it took them to be fulfilled and what it cost the person who actually was doing the fulfilling that did it. I mean, think about it. Men, women, I mean, here's a short list. Abraham, God said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a nation, and through you the whole world will be blessed. Again, other people being blessed, but here's what you've got to do. You've got to leave your country and your people and you have to go to the land I'm going to show you. Didn't even know where he's going, just started, just started walking. So Abraham, there's a personal cost. He had to leave his family, and he had to be obedient to God. Moses, Moses had to return to Egypt to deliver the nation of Israel. He had to go back to the place that told him, if you ever come back, we're going to kill you. And Moses was happy in the, in the desert of Midian. 
he had a wife, he had a kids, he had an industry going, and he didn't really want to go. There's, there's a personal cost involved. Noah, Noah had to build an ark for about 100 years and endure ridicule. I mean, think about this. So Joseph, Joseph, he had to live out his life in Egypt when he preferred to live in Israel. I mean, think, think about that. So there's always, there's always a cost involved. When God places a dream on your heart, uh, realize that the purpose is to help other people, and it's going to cost you something to see it fulfilled. I'll never forget this. Many of you know Pastor Joseph in India. We've been helping him for a number of years, about eight years, and the whole goal was to help him uh, become self-sufficient so he could, his, his um, ministry could generate income uh, just to provide for their orphanage. They're getting children out of slave trafficking, and they started 161 churches in India, Pakistan, and, um, and Nepal. And I'll never forget this, you know. He communicates pretty good. So the first time I went to India, we're driving down the road. We're driving, and it is in the middle of nowhere. It's getting better. No hospitals, no doctor's offices, no anything. We're driving down the road, and, he's, and he said, uh, he stopped the car just in the middle of the dirt road. He said, that's where my first son is buried. He drove on, we drive around. The next day we're driving somewhere, that's where my daughter is buried. I, I said, I knew Joseph had one son. I said, Joseph, what, what, do, you, what do you mean? He's like, yes, they both, they both died of malaria because we came out here, we're, we were doing the Lord's work, and there, were, there was no medicine at the time for malaria. There was no doctor's offices. There was no anything. And, I, you know, I'm sitting there in the car, and I said, God, please forgive me any time that I've complained about having hardship. Come on now. You know, I mean, this guy is over there, over there just, but, but there, there was a personal there was a personal cost involved, not to mention that he sold everything he had even to move there to, to, start, to start the ministry. I'm not, I'm, not saying, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, you know, anything like that has to happen. But what, what I'm saying is, you know, we've become so comfortable. We've become so comfortable that we almost, we complain and get critical and boo-hoo and whine when, when there's a little bit of cost for something. There is a cost to do great things for God. There's just, there's a cost. There's a discipline. There's, there's some things we have to put aside for the greater good of what God is asking us to do. So don't give up on your dream when it, when it, when it doesn't start off well. The second thing is don't give up on your dream even if your family or other people don't support it. And... Uh, you know, the, the Bible says that when Joseph told his family that his brothers despised him and his father rebuked him. But it, it got much worse than that because his brothers ended up selling him into slavery. You know, it's one thing if your family doesn't like you. It's, it's taking it to another level when you sell them to slavery, right? I mean, you throw them in a pit. Here's the problem. I mean, think of it. Joseph, they, they, they said they were out there and he went to go check on them, if you know the story. And his brothers are sitting there and they're like, here comes that little dreamer. Here comes that little sheaf raiser, you know? And uh, so they, they, the, the debate what was, they wanted to kill him. And so there was a pit, they threw him in a cistern down there. He's down there. He's down there listening to his brothers debate about whether they're going to kill him or not. 
I mean, you think you have some family issues? I mean, this is some family issues, right? And, uh, and, and I'm sure Joseph, he's 17, he's just thinking, man, all I, I was just happy because God gave me a dream. I was, I was just happy about that. And so, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the main things that kills our dreams is that we're so excited about them, and we want to tell our friends. But many times our friends aren't very supportive. Our family is not supportive. You know, when I, when I first decided, so my dad was a pastor, uh, and then my brother and I are both pastors, and, and uh, so I remember I was going to school to do some other things, and I remember, I remember when God called me to be in ministry, and, and so I, I changed what I was doing, and, and I, I told some of my family that, you know, hey, I, I, I feel like I'm supposed to be a pastor, and one of my family members looked at me and said, oh, I thought you were going to amount to something. Pull it out, man. Pull it out. So about a month ago, I reminded this person of this. I said, hey, you remember? I did. I did. Remember when you told me, I want, you know? And you know what they said? They're like, wow, that wasn't very nice. You think? Hey, I'll take that over the pit, though. I'll take that over the pit without my family at, w- deciding whether they were going to sell me or kill me. But let's look at this, Genesis 37, verse 19 through 20. It says, here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we will see what comes of his dream. And, uh, you know, the only problem with killing him is that they knew that their dad would miss him so much. And so they, they were trying to figure out, they're having this narrative, well, how can we, what can we say? Well, let's just tear his row up and say a wild, ferocious animal, you know, killed him. That's what they ended up doing. So clearly... Joseph was not going to get any support from his family. And, you know, it's, let's face it, it's difficult to hold on to a dream you have when your family and those that you love and are closest to just keep telling you to let it go. Just let it go, man. Go do something else. Let it go. It's not going to happen. But the thing is that a God-given dream, I believe, I believe it gets a hold in us so strongly that we can't let it go and even when we try to get rid of it, when we lay there at night, we still think about it. I mean, you can suppress it, but it, it's still there. God still asks you to do something. Number three is don't give up on your dreams, even if the journey is full of surprises. Can we say this? I think this is true. That is, life is full of surprises, isn't it? How many of you this week had something happen that you didn't anticipate happening to you? Many? And, you know, usually every day, you know, maybe it's my profession, I don't know, but usually, usually every day something happens that I did not anticipate happening. And uh, just, you know, you think after you've been in ministry for 20 years, you wouldn't see anything new, but you do. And, you know, every day we get up and we kind of have a plan of how our day is going to go. And so many days, so many days our, our time gets interrupted. Uh, there's, a, there's a crisis, there's a drama, there's something that you have to attend to. Uh, you know, something happened that you just weren't expecting. And this is also true when we're trying to live out a dream that God has for you. Let me, let me say this. It's very possible to have multiple dreams. One dream that all of us parents should have is to raise kids who love God, love people, and make a difference in the world. I mean, we should all have that dream. So, but we, we probably also have a specific dream. And so the, the, the thing is, is let's, let's just take the dream of raising a godly family. 
man, there's things that happen. There's, there's, there's sometimes some bad surprises. You get calls from teachers. You get calls from the school. May get a call from the police. You know what I'm saying? Uh, One of one of my friend one of my friends was telling me that uh, one of my pastor friends that um, you know his he got a call that his son had been arrested for underage drinking, and um, so he 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 went there and you know and and uh, he has a lar- very large church and so when he got there he he heard a, pa- a a police officer say pastor he said hey how you doing I'm so sorry I don't let, I just released him but now everyone's here and all he said don't worry about it and. Uh, he, he saw another dad scolding his son. I'm going to send you to whatever, blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, that's not good. So he just said, he, he, didn't, he opened the door and said, what's up? And of course, his son was crying, and they, they dealt with it and moved on. But I'm just saying, you have kids, you have a family, you have a wife. You, you want to have a godly marriage, you want to raise godly kids. There's things that happen. There's surprises that happen that you're going to have to deal with. And I want, you, I want to take you through Joseph's life real quick. Think about the unexpected twists and turns in Joseph's life. And as I do, I want you to think, after each one, is this a give up moment or is it a move forward moment? Is it a go on with a dream or is it a give up? First of all, he's misunderstood by his family. He's sold into slavery by his brothers. He's living in a strange land. Then all of a sudden he finds favor with a man named Potiphar. Then he's wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife of sexual assault. He's thrown into prison. Then he's put in charge of all the prisoners. Then he's forgotten by the chief butler, and he remains in prison two more years. Then he interpreted Pharaoh's dream and becomes a second-in-command of Egypt. Here's what I've noticed, that in Joseph's life, I think there were, there were three negative surprises for every one good one. It was three to one. Three give-up moments for every one, all right, things are going in the right, in, in, in the right place, things are moving forward. And, uh, you know, so every, every dream contains negative surprises that really can greatly discourage you. And, but I believe Joseph realized that God, God was with him. And, and um, so even, I think even when life made no sense, even when Joseph was in, you know, sold in slavery, even when, when he was uh, in prison, I think even all those times he, he, he just had a sense that, that, that God was with him and, uh, that, and we know that actually, see, the, the thing is we don't see like God, so we think that something is a give-up moment when actually God, God was just lining Joseph up for the dream to be fulfilled. And re- remember that. God was just lining things up for him. And the fourth thing is this. I believe Joseph would tell us, uh, don't give up on your dreams even when it takes a long time to realize it. Have you ever noticed that we get so excited when we have a, a, a dream from God or a vision from God or something we feel like he's telling us. Um, we're so excited about that. But have you noticed that usually it's a long time in taking place? So think about Joseph. Joseph had a dream at 17. We know that Joseph, he came under Pharaoh's, into Pharaoh's service at 30. There were seven good years, and it says that in the second year of famine, his brothers came to him. So Joseph's 30, he's, he's 39. He's 39. So 17 to, to 39, what is that? It's 22 years. It was 22 years from the time that Joseph received the dream until the time 
that the dream became a reality. Uh, and in those 22 years, we learned that it was three to one at least. Three negative things happening to one good thing. And so, uh, you know, I don't know if that's normal, but what I'm saying is most probably if God gives you a dream, it's not going to happen in three days. It's probably not going to happen in a month if he's giving you, I mean, if you have a dream for a family, we know that's going to take 20-something years because kids normally leave home around 18, you know? So if you have multiple, it's, it's a long time. It's, it, it's, it's a process of growing, of growing the dream. So we know that Joseph, at the end, he was reconciled to his family, and he ruled over his family, and he saved the nation of Israel and the surrounding world from famine. So as our time with Joseph, as our time with Joseph, uh, you know, starts to dwindle down, he has three la- last, last words of encouragement to us, and I think Joseph would tell us, first of all, remember, just remember that God is always with you. Even when you don't think he's with you, even when he think, you think he's forgotten you, he's like, man, when I was in the pit throwing them a pit by my brothers, when I was on the, the slave caravan to Egypt, when I was sold as a slave to Potiphar, even in all these times, I, I just, I knew that God was with me. I knew that God had a plan for me, and in my faith, remain strong. And I think what happens so many times is when negative things happen to us, the first thing we do is blame God. Work with me here. The first, come on, God, what do you do? It'd be nice if you help me a little. I can't do it all on my own, God. It's your vision. The first thing, isn't it funny, the first thing we do is to blame God when something bad happens. And the first thing that happens when something good happens, we say is, yeah, we really worked hard for that. But, but Joseph would assure us that, he, he would assure all of us that no matter what happens to us, no matter where we find ourselves, no matter if it looks like the dream is going this way and we're going this way, that God is still with us. He still loves us. He still cares for us. And he is ultimately still lining things up to allow us to be successful. The second thing that, that Joseph would tell us, his final words of encouragement is this. This is very important. He would say, develop yourself during the down times. Here's what happens when we're in the down times like the pit or prison or, or, or whatever like Joseph. So many times when, we're, we're, when negative things happen, we spend the majority of our time complaining. Any complainers in here? Any whiners in here? No? But, but what we need to do, what Joseph was able to do, is every time he came out of a negative, a negative um, event, he came out stronger. He came out stronger. I mean, he sold into slavery. All of a sudden, now he's running Potiphar's estate. You know, he's thrown in prison. He's running to prison. Then he comes out, and he interpreting, he's interpreting Pharaoh's dream, and, and he, he's got skills to where he can run and, and, and administrate a whole food ministry all over the land of Egypt. So we have to develop ourselves, and you, we have to allow ourselves to learn the lessons so we come out stronger, smarter, and with more faith. We have to develop ourselves. And thought, See, what happens is if your dream is a certain job and you're stuck in a job down here, you can sit there and do the job poorly, or you can better yourself. You can take classes. You can, you can do things to raise your worth to one day get in that job. And it's so hard when we're in, in a bad place um, to develop ourselves. But here's the thing. 
if you keep growing, if you be, keep becoming smarter and stronger and closer to God, what, what happens is eventually you'll outgrow your problems. You can, we can all outgrow the dilemmas and the problems and the crises that the world throws on us. And I think the last thing Joseph would tell us was this, is that realize that self-promotion can never replace divine approach, divine promotion. So, do you remember the attitude? And again, he was 17. He just, he didn't know any better. But do you remember the attitude that Joseph had when he told his brothers? Why would he tell them? Why would he tell, I mean, I know he was, he was excited, but why would he tell them they're going to bow down to him? I mean, it may not have been on purpose, but you notice there's a hint of self-promotion. God has taken me to the head of the family. Sorry, Reuben. I know you're the firstborn, but I'm the special one. But if you read later when Pharaoh brings him in and Pharaoh says, I have this dream that I can't interpret it, it has been told of me that you can interpret dreams. And notice what J Joseph's whole attitude has changed. He says, I cannot do anything, but my God can interpret dreams. And he will give you the interpretation that you're looking for. Do, do, do you see that there's this whole thing of early in his life, it was self-promotion? Not even on purpose, it was just out of excitement. But later on, later on it's like, man, I can't do anything. But the God I serve is able to give you the answer that you want. And, and, and so again, if we have to take self-promotion or divine promotion, divine promotion is always, is always better. I'm going to have the worship team come up this morning and uh, as I wrap things up. And so, you know, here's what I believe. Here's what I believe, church. I believe that God puts a dream in every one of his children. I believe everyone here this morning, you may not recognize it, you may not know it, you may have left it, you may have suppressed it, but I believe every one of us, God has given us a dream, something uh, that, is, that is worth fighting for. You know, dreams give us inspiration, but dreams also carry a weight. Right? I mean, like if you, your, your goal is to, is to raise a great, great kid, and that's a dream you have, that's inspiring. But there's also a weight when things aren't going so well. You feel, you feel the weight, the weight of that. And, you know, ba basically, you know, dreams aren't easily fulfilled. You have to battle for them. You have to fight for them to, to keep them alive. And I believe Joseph, if we look at the life of Joseph, Joseph fought for 22 years to see God fulfill the dream in his life. Joseph, he fought, he battled, he, 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 we, everything we see, is, his attitude was just incredible. And what I want to do this morning is, is here in just a minute, I'm going I'm to ha have you uh, stand, I'm going to pray for you, and uh, here's what I know. You may be here this morning, and you may have not had a dream from God, and, and you, need, you, you need to hear from God to get a dream, to get a revelation for your life. There's many of you that God has told you something very specific, and, and you let it die. You, you, you let it give up because of circumstances or things that have happened, and others of you are, are just still pursuing. And I just, I just want to pray that everyone whose dreams have died, I just want to pray that God would resurrect those this morning. 
I mean, life is not worth living if we don't have a, a vision from God, a dream of something, of some way that He's going to use us to help others. I mean, it's, it's just not, I mean, let's face it, church. I mean, life, it takes on a whole other level when we have something we're living for instead of when we just feel like we're going to work, we're coming home, we're mowing the grass. Dreams add value to your life. In a dream fulfilled, there's nothing like it. Would you stand with me this morning? Just allow the Lord to speak to you. Just, just close your eyes and just meditate for a moment and just allow the Lord to speak to you this morning. The first thing, maybe you're here this morning and you said, man, God has given me a dream and it's gone so off the rails, I, I don't even feel like it's even applies to my life anymore. And I've just totally given up on it. And this morning, I want to I I ask God to resurrect that dream for my life. Would you just raise your hand? I know there's many, there's many here this morning. Thank you, Lord. And there's others of you who just, who just felt like you, you just want God to clearly speak to you. About, about the dream he has for your life or you want him just to resurrect it. And let's just ask God to help us this morning. Father God, we come before you. And Lord, we know that dreams come from you. Godly dreams come from you. And they're beneficial because, first of all, they always help other people. And second of all, they bring such fulfillment into our lives when we are used by you to do great things. And this morning, God, I pray that everyone here would have a dream, God. If Lord, if people here haven't heard it, had a dream, God, I pray that you would give them a dream of how they can make a difference for you. God, give them a dream in their heart of helping people. God, of building the kingdom of God. And Lord, I pray for everyone here that's discouraged this morning. God, we break discouragement in Jesus' name, and we ask in Jesus' name that you just revive, you, you just resurrect this dream in their heart, God. Bring inspiration into their heart, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.